If you could join me again in the New Testament, James 4th chapter. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 11 to verse 17. Uh, but I want to just read again in our hearing verse 17 uh, from the New Living Translation to help us deal with the theme for this morning. Uh, verse 17 says in James 4th chapter, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As you take your seat, he helped me announce uh, the title. I, I, I made it a little bit short and abbreviated than what's in your bulletin. And simply just tell your neighbor, do right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Tell, you, tell your other neighbor, do right. The text closes out in that argument. Remember, it is sin if you know what is good and you don't do it. Uh, it is sin to know what is good and you don't do it. I want us to understand with this principle to that God has called us to do right. Y'all quiet on me. Deuteronomy 10, chapter verse 12 says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Another way to summarize, God's telling y'all need to do right. Uh, Micah 6, chapter verse 8 says it this way, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's do right. God has called us to, to love him and loving him, it will cause us to love his precepts, to love his law, to love his word. And in loving his word, we understand in his word, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. But you can't stop there and you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if I put this into practice, it'd be kind of hard for me to walk around people every day and have them feeling bad about themselves because of the words that have coming out of my mouth. Watch out, somebody. How is it that I say I love the Lord, but I make you feel smaller than a tag? How is it that I say I love the Lord, but every time I see you, it seems like I have nothing positive to say, but I sure enough got something negative to say. You, you, you did your best today. You come home, all you're going to hear is that your shoes are untied, your shirt's untucked, your tie's not straight. You went out looking like that. How dare you? You don't hear anything pop, but you're going to tell me you love me after you say all that stuff. The Bible says it here, look in verse 11, that how can you speak evil against each other and you brothers and sisters? And so that's, that should not be. That, that if I know right, I ought to do right, so I ought to speak right. To slander somebody is basically, think, think about it, think about it. Even in society, you can sue somebody for slander. So even society understands that it's wrong for you to damage somebody's character 
and reputation, but in the body of Christ, we put ourselves in superiority position that I have the right to tell you about yourself and knock you down and destroy your character. So when it does come time for other people to see it, they say, oh, that's the one. That's not the word of God. You see, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Some of y'all quiet on me trying to say, well, what are you talking about? I'm saying this, that when you slander, you're speaking evil. Speaking evil. You're not trying to correct somebody. You're trying to hurt them. Y'all quiet on me. Many, many people think that when they are helping somebody, they are speaking truth to them, not understanding that you're not in the position to help them. You're in the position to hurt them. Y'all quiet. I'm going to help somebody out. That you, you go by and point out how someone is wrong and what they did wrong only because you're mad at them. Not to help them so that they don't hurt themselves. You want to hurt them because you don't like what they got. Many people slander down because they cut down because they don't appreciate what somebody else had. That's why how things sneak out. You see it in, in the society, how things sneak out, sneak out. People leak things out, and it hurts somebody's reputation and their character. Now they got to find out who's just letting out the least because someone don't like you. And so we as Christians, we should not have slander. We should not be speaking evil and falsely accusing people and hurting them, especially within the body of Christ. This should be the safest place. That I, every Christian, as myself, we should be comfortable coming in here and saying, you can know all my business, but I feel comfortable here. No, you're not going to talk bad about me. It, it should be a place that I might be in the AA meetings, but you're not going to call me a drunk when I walk in here, but call me a child of God. I might be suffering with a, a, a criminal record, but when I walk up, you're not going to call me a felon, but you're going to call me a child of God. Do you understand that when we love people, we don't see the bad in them, but we see the good in them? Aren't you glad that when God looks at you, he does not count it against you? And what, I mean, what it means that he does not count it against you, let me put it into terms we understand. Everybody understands money. You go to get a loan, and they check your score. And if you have a bad score, they hold it against you, which means that what they would have gave you, they take it back because you have shown yourself not faithful in the past that they can't give you as much you requested, but they might give you just a little bit. Let's put this now in spiritual terms that when you come to God, God does not withhold. Everything he has for you, because when you come confessing to him, he does not hold it against you, but he releases his favor, his mercy, and his grace on you. You need some help. Go back early in chapter of James. It says that he gives lavishly. So you see here, how can I say I love God and I'm doing right, but I'm doing wrong to my brother and my sister? That when I leave this, 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 some people need to help themselves right now because some of you about to leave the church ready to talk about, did you see so-and-so? You're going to sit down at the dinner table and say, they, they came in again doing the same old thing. I don't even know why they play like that. Reminds me of a story about a husband and a wife. They went to the church and they enjoyed the service and they're on their way home. Wife is speaking to the husband and says, did you see so-and-so? No, I did not see so-and-so. Did you see how the pastor was doing? No, I did not see that. Did you see the usher? No, I did not see that. So, so, so I don't know why you go to church. 
we need to be careful that we don't get caught up looking and try to talk about the people within the church. But realize that when I come up in this place, we come here to worship our God once and for all primarily. And secondly, to encourage and love one another. It's a, it's a horrible thing that every time we come into the church, we feel worse about ourselves. But we're going to talk about I love you, Jesus. Look what happens if you criticize, you judge. You, you, now, you're not a doer. Now you become a judge. Watch out now. There's only one judge. There's only one lawgiver. And, and, and we need to look at him. That's why Jesus says, do not worry about them. They cannot do anything to you. But be concerned about the one who can kill the body and the soul. You see, many times it, we, we have situations going on right now that the state has gone ahead and passed. Or some people want to condemn and talk about other people. But I ain't worried about them because there's only one lawgiver. Y'all quiet on me. Y'all quiet on me. It's all right. I'm going to tell it like it is because I know there's only one lawgiver. They can pass all them laws they want, but there's only one lawgiver, which means there's only one word that's going to sustain so that when judgment does come, y'all, y'all quiet on me. You know that when there's laws, there's a, a court that will support those laws. And you know there's a process that if you don't like one decision, you can appeal and you can appeal to keep on going until you get to the Supreme Court. But I want you to know that there's a court higher than the Supreme Court. And so, therefore, since there's only one judge, one lawgiver, I don't have to get caught up with everything that's happening right here, knowing that my God will take care of everything. And so when we put ourselves in that position, then I don't have to sit down and try to knock you down, defame you, say some things that hurt your character and your reputation. But instead, I will pray for you. I will lift you up before the great God and realize that God will work it out. Anybody here believe that God will work it out? That he can defend the defenseless, that he's a father to the fatherless, that he's a mother to the motherless, that he is right, that he's a, he's a present help in the time of trouble. The psalmist says that when my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Do you understand that when we put ourselves in submission of God, we are in the right position. Tell you never do right. So when we get in the right position, we are in a position of humility. We will humble ourselves, not put ourselves above the law, but we'll put ourselves under the law looking up because who are we to judge? Uh, we are not qualified. We haven't passed any bars. Or we didn't make the law. We probably don't even understand the law. So how are we going to judge the law? That's how we look at some people who say, well, that person's a liar. How can you ever trust them? You want to talk about them, but you never talk about yourself. Jesus told us, be careful that how you judge, same measure will be judged upon you. He would even help somebody else say, how can you tell somebody about the speck in their own eye? You got a plank. I like to say, you got a tree, an oak tree in your eye. And you're going to try to tell somebody about a speck. You can't see clearly yourself. We need to be careful how we judging people because, look, if you want to put on the same judgment upon them, watch out. It'll come upon you. He, told, he said another parable. We know about the unforgiven servant. But remember how he was harsh on that servant? That same judgment came upon him. That's why we like how mercy trumps justice. 
But when you can't show mercy, but you want to be judge and ruler, you're in trouble. We have to do right. We have to submit in fear of God because there's only one God. There's only one judge. And look at it this, that when we know that we submit to him, what are we submitting? We're submitting to love. Tell your neighbor, love wins out. Because God is love. And, and that's why we like 1 Corinthians 13 when it says love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffer. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so we were operating in this love. We'll look upon one another and we'll be able to put up with each other's faults and make allowances. We'll be graceful. We'll be forgiving. Why? Because love will not keep record of wrongdoing. Love will not boast about things and be arrogant. Love loves truth. Love loves mercy. Love loves grace. So therefore, I want to sow mercy. I want to sow grace. I want to sow compassion to everyone that comes. Sometimes, sometimes when we get around some people, we want to tell them about things they have done wrong. Do you understand? They are already know I, I don't need you to remind me think, think about think about the obvious right you come into the kitchen you see stuff is all over the floor you say look at the mess you made thank you for clearing that up I didn't know I was the one responsible no what they need is some encouragement you know hey let me help you clean it up but we don't want to because we want to prove we're right and you're wrong so therefore I have a right to yell at you we have to catch ourselves and say, Lord, how can I show love in every opportunity, in every opportunity? Yes, we have a right to get mad and, and get angry, but it does not make us right. We got to be careful that things we think we have a right to do that we're wrong in doing so. We should be looking to build up, not tear down. Love builds up. It does not tear down. So doing right in this first article, he deals with us that we are to humble ourselves. And watch what happens when we humble ourselves. Then we need to learn to trust in God. Look at the next, next one he gives to us. He says, look here now, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a such and such place. And we're going to stay there today and tomorrow, maybe even for a year. We're going to make a profit. There's a warning here. The warning is that you don't even know what tomorrow holds. And then if you look closer within this text, it says tomorrow in your life. But it's saying that you don't know what is happening tomorrow and you don't know what's going to happen in your life. We could just look in society right now. We, many of us are looking at things that I had no idea this was going to happen. I, I, I know that many of us can look at our lives and realize that we have plans to come. And next thing you know, an injury came, an illness came, an accident came. Something came up unplanned that we did not plan for, which hindered us from doing what we would like to do. And so we have to be careful that when we are submitting and surrender to God, we trust in God. 
And you see how we change up the verbiage here. So it's no longer I, I, I. You see, there's nothing but I and we here. It's nothing in planning of, oh, if God says so. We need to make sure that God is in our planning. And if God is not in your planning, then you're planning to fail. Because Jesus made it clear with apart from you can do nothing. He made it clear. There, he didn't miss words. Apart from you can do nothing. He made it also clear that with God, all things are possible. And so if all things are possible with God and I want success in my life, I think I need to get with the one who can make it possible. Oh, think about how, and, 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 and see, my heart is broken right now. I digress. This is not in my notes, but my boy, Derek Rose, is injured. So I, I, it's, it's hard for the team to win because they're looking for the one they know that can make it possible. Derek Rose, Mr. MVP, can make that boy can get to the cup anytime he wants. So they know if I give him the ball, it's possible that he can make it to the cup. But without him, we don't know what we're going to do. But yet, even though they still can win without him. But in our life, we can't win without God. We need forever look to give him the ball, put it in his possessor, and say, God, do what you do best. And God says it like this. All I do is win, 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 win. That's all he does. Because he has never been defeated. He is, he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And so what God has planned for us, he knows what's best for us. So if he puts a plan in your life, I guarantee it's going to come out the way he planned it. You know that's success, right? When things you plan come out as you plan it, that's success. But the problem is that with us, with us, we have what we think should happen. But we must trust God and what's going to happen. Because he knows what's best. Think about this verse that we love, that I, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for your plans are prosperity and not a perish. Do, do you understand that that great verse we like came to them while they were in the captivity? And he was telling them to be fruitful and multiply while you're in captivity? He let them know that you're not getting out anytime soon, but some 70 years later. <laughs> When you get out, <laughs> I'm going to restore you back into your place. Do you understand? He pointed to them that I know the plans I have for you. Look, you're, you're not in your homeland. You're in a strange land. But look, I'm going to bless you while you're in this strange land to be fruitful and multiply, not just for you, but for the generation that comes after you will have a blessing and an inheritance to go back to. What I'm trying to point out, that it's not about you. And we're trusting in God. God knows the plans he has for you, which is going to be a blessing to somebody else. Because we are not created for ourselves, but we are created for his glory. And if it's for his glory, we ought to be used for his glory, which means we ought to be used to help somebody else. But when we get caught about ourselves, we start boasting. And look what happens. All that kind of boasting is evil. There was a song that uh, when I was growing up that I used to love all the time by this, name, this rapper named Special Ed. And he was talking about how I got it made. 
And what he was talking about, he was rapping how he was rich. He got a dog with a solid gold bone. You know, he, he got everything. You know, he just got it made. And, and, and such boasting was big and rap that it continues on to this day. But they don't talk about how they got it made, but they talk about how I can get the most girls. I got the biggest house. I got the fastest cars. I got me a G4. They got all these material things means I got it made. But we know the truth that what does a man prosper? To gain the whole world. But lose his soul. But society means that person got it made. But we know you don't got it made. You on your way to a place and a destination. You do not want to go. The G4 won't chart it there. But you're going to go there. But when we know Jesus, our perceptions change. We no longer try to fulfill and gratify ourselves. But we say, Lord, is it your will? Even Paul understood, and many times in his letter, he would close out to them, I hope to see you if the Lord wills. He understood that if I, it would be presumptuous for me to make plans in such a far time of head, thinking that I will be in good health and everything will work out as I plan unless God provides. I want you to understand that God's providence is real, that he knows what's best, that he knows what's best, that when he tells us to do something at the right time, at the right moment, watch out, God is, so, is ready to get something going. Think about, uh, at what time did the walls fall down when they marched around? <laughs> wasn't the first time, was it? Wasn't the second time. He told them specifically what to do and when to do it. And when they did it, the walls came tumbling down do you see how God is specific he knows what's best for us and so when we trust in him it's going to work out for our benefit but catch this it's going to give him all the glory so in submitting to him I'm not boasting on my arrogance boasting on what I've done but no I will learn to boast in the Lord. That's where all our boasting should be. Should be boasting in the Lord. That we can boast about his goodness. We can boast about his love. We can boast about his mercy. We can boast about his salvation. Realize that we are wretches undone. But he is worthy of all the praise. And so when you put this in proper perspective. It reminds us that if I know what is right. And I don't do it. I sin. I want to drive this, that this text speaks clearly of those who are planning for the future. It speaks that they should not, they should not, they should not plan without God. And they should know better because they already know that the Lord God is one. They, should, they know that only by the will they live. But another aspect in our lives, this is what, this is what convicted me, is that when you know something and people ask you and you just stay quiet, you're sinning. How am I saying? You're lying. How am I lying? You didn't give the truth. That's why I, I expect y'all to be quiet because I knew it's going to hurt. When you know right and you do not act, that's sin. Our inaction is no action. Jesus says you're either for us or you're against us. There was never an in-between. If you think you can stay on the fence, he lets you know that I don't like you, lukewarm. I'll spit you out. So I want you either hot or I want you cold. But either way, I'm going to separate you. There's a sheep and there's the goat that said there's no in between. And so when you understand that God's going to separate, that some things are black and white. And when things are gray, then you need to be still. 
and wait till the Lord moves. Because if you do it in doubt, you do it in sin. But if you do it in faith, oh, hallelujah. There's someone here that, 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 that need to grab this or grab this real quick. That, that don't go and move in doubt. It's going to only hurt you. But move in obedience of God. So don't move on your time. Wait on God's time and God will give you the right time. I'm, I'm so glad that, that God gives us peace. He said, I'll, I'll give you peace. And you can get peace when you trust in God and say, Lord, if it's your will, we shall go and let us go. That's why he made it clear. Every time he told the disciples to go somewhere, he let them know we go this way. They was like, well, if you're with us, we're good to go. See, the times he was not with them when they got into trouble. Go, go look at it. The times that he was not with them is oftentimes when they got into trouble. He said, go ahead after he fed the 5,000. They went ahead. Storms came. Uh-oh, we ain't going to make it. There's a ghost out there. It's not his eye. If it's you, let me come close. Come. Peter came out. He said, I want to be with you because there's a storm. You're not with us. But if I get with you, I think everything's going to be all right. We need to realize that God will not send us anywhere. He's not going to see us through. And as he was teaching that to the disciples, ye of little faith. Because you know they made it to the other side safely, but they thought one way. They, they, I want you to grab that we cannot predict our own outcomes. We got to accept what God's going to bring to us. But the problem is that when we sin and we get the consequences of our sins, we want to blame God. But it's our fault. But when we do what his will is, we get the good consequences and we got to be careful that we don't boast and brag that it was us, but give the glory to God. So we got to change our perspective. Say, Lord, I will submit to you that I will show your love. I will do what's right. Love justice and love one another and build one another up. Then I won't be judging and slandering, knocking people down, always nitpicking, trying to cut shit down. But I'll be looking how I can build you up, lift you up, and encourage you in the love of Christ. Then my whole life will change, realizing that I'm not living for myself, but I'm living for him. Therefore, I will say, if it's your will, I'll go to such and such place. And if it's your your will, I'll stay there till you tell me to come back. If it's for a year, have your way. If it's for one day, have your way. But I will be where you want me to be if it's your will. We understand if it's your will situation. Jesus made it clear that his body did not want to go through the pain and somebody said it wasn't about my body. But Lord, if it's your will. And since it's your will, it's not my will, it shall be done. Aren't, aren't we benefits of Jesus showing us how to do it by the will of God? Because he showed us how by the will of God, he was able to humble himself and die. But that's not how the story ends because we know that he got up three days later with all power in his hands. When I want to point out that there's one lawgiver, there's one God, and he has the final say so. So keep all trusting in the Lord, knowing that the world think they may gotcha, but God is victorious. He will always win. The plans he has for you are your plans, and he will see it through. 
So just do right. <laughs> good day now, children. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to testify. You ought to boast in the Lord that he's been good to me. He's been protecting me. He's prepared ways for me. He made ways out of nowhere. He brought me from a mighty, mighty long way. I'm trying to get back to my seat, but I'm just so glad today that he is good. He is so good. He is so good. You can testify that he's good. Look at your neighbor and say, look at me now. <laughs> oh, glory. You see what God is doing in your life? Just do what he asks you to do. And he's going to work out. Don't do what other people tell you to do. Just do what he tells you to do. Just do right. Go right. And God's going to make it all right. And the principles is just to humble yourselves, submit to him, and let him lead you, and let him guide you all the way. Every head by the rise, because, Lord, we come right now surrendering to you, Lord. Father, realizing, Lord, that we are nothing without you. And so, Lord, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you to, sur to, to show us. As we surrender to you, have your way right now, almighty God. Move in our lives right now, oh God. Help us to guard our tongue that we will not say hurtful, harmful things to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Lord, we'll speak nothing but your love, your psalms, your encouragement one to another. Lord, forgive us for times we've made plans and we did not include you in our plans. <clears throat> But, Lord, now we want to go by your will, by trusting in you, knowing that, Lord, if it's by your will, we will make it. Oh, Father, move in this place. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus, but I pray right now that they will surrender to you. Move in their hearts as only as you can, oh, God. Lord, there might be someone here looking for a church home. If Zion is that place, we want to counsel with them, meet with them, and see if this is the place. Lord, we know that you add on to your church daily, such as should be saved. We're trusting in you right now, Almighty God. Amen.